Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to GTO Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host. And today I've put together some practical applications for self-love. The reason that I chose that for today was I was just sort of pondering um, what to do next. I have a couple of guests coming up um, over the next two weeks. Um, And so this is going to be my last solo show for a few weeks. And I thought, hmm, what do I want to do? And I reflected on the fact that when I interact with people clients, um, people on Reddit, there's some Reddit groups that I'm a part of that are self-love groups, um, body dysmorphia groups, and uh, self-hate really uh, shows up uh, in those groups. And so I'm usually there to um, provide some personal experience so that there's a little bit of hope. Uh, Often, you know, the posts are, people are suffering um, and in pain and they're reaching out to connect and um, they do that and people chime in and are very supportive and say, you know, I'm the same. I, the same thing happens to me. Um, But, but often I don't see a ton of um, kind of testimonials or comments from people who have worked through um, their self-hate and exited it out of their lives or who have shifted out of their body dysmorphia, which as somebody who had body dysmorphia um, for a long time, it was rooted um, not just in disordered eating, but in self-hate. And so um, when I chime in and tell little pieces of my story, the question that I tend to get most often is, wow, that sounds great. Uh, How do I get there? Like I can Im- potentially imagine what that might be like, or maybe I can't even imagine what it might be like. Um, but there seems to be for people just an abyss between where they are and where they would like to be. And I, I certainly understand that abyss. I was on the other side of it for the vast majority of my life. Um, and I crossed it to get over here into unconditional self-acceptance. So I thought what we would do today was to, is to go through some of the things that we've talked about um, on some other shows and some of the things that I write about, and I've put them together. Um, they are in an order that is that has a um, some sense to it, I guess. Um, however, it doesn't really matter where you start if you just start, because any little bit, any little bit of movement. Um, toward self-love, toward unconditional self-acceptance is is positive, is going to be good. And so it doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be in the order that I, that I start to talk with you about today. If you hear something that kind of resonates with you and you think, oh, man, I really want to get to that, but maybe I should do these other steps first, you know, maybe just go right on ahead and get to it and then come back to the other steps because doing something for yourself in this area is much better 
than waiting until the perfect time or until you feel like you kind of have all of the information that you need. Um, Those are some of the things that get in the way for all of us. So anywho, that is, um, that's our topic for today. Before I launch into that, um, we do have, um, as I mentioned, a couple of guests coming up. We have Lindsay McEwen um, next week. She hosts uh, Women Thriving Unapologetically. And we have a really um, fun topic about the divine feminine. And so I'm going to be learning uh, along with you all when we talk to Lindsay. And then after that, I have Alana Stewart coming on from the Farrah Fawcett Foundation to talk about her and Farrah's friendship and Farrah's legacy and the foundation. And we're going to talk about anal cancer and um, HPV related cancers, actually, because those are also head and neck cancers. And so screening is incredibly important. And there are, there is preventive screening um, somewhat, but it doesn't always happen. And so we're, we're going to want to talk to you about that so that um, if you're having any issues in that area, you know uh, how to talk to your doctor and how to advocate for yourself. Um, and lastly, before we get to our topic, I just um, I want to send my love uh, to Turkey and I'm going to cry. Um, the loss of life there. is really difficult to watch. It's a couple hours away from where I am right now. I'm coming to you from Malta for the first time. I'm back in Malta today. And I'm here with my partner, Erdogan, and that's his country. And, you know, he's just watching the destruction and the loss of life. And I just want to send love to everybody who has... um loved ones that have passed and loved ones who might be missing and also to the responders, all of the responders from within Turkey and Syria, pardon me, and Syria, um, the first responders from um, Turkey and Syria and all the surrounding countries and all around the world who are coming to help there. They're helping in just really um, difficult conditions. It's, um, it's really awful. And I, I couldn't, I just couldn't um, talk to you today without acknowledging what's happening. Um, This is a tough world. It's, you know, human beings over the last several years, at least, have really experienced um, a massive amount of trauma with the pandemic um, and what's happening to our earth and um, the politics and, and conflict around the world and you know, race relations in the United States, of course. And so I just, I know that um, it gets in us and we don't always know how it uh, manifests or how it impacts us, but it does impact us. And so, you know, take care of yourself and be good to yourself and treat yourself with compassion. And, you know, if you just feel tired or you feel like you need to rest or you feel like you just can't face that difficult thing today, then listen to that and do what feels the most kind for you. Um, This is our one and only life and things like what we've are seeing happen in Turkey, you know, that could happen in a number of places across the planet. Um, And so, you know, we're no different and life can change and end in an instant. So, you know, the mission of the show and, and truly 
what I believe is my purpose is to just share some ways that we can all feel better about ourselves and, and start to alleviate our suffering and, and really prevent it um, so that we can enjoy our lives and make good decisions for ourselves that support us um, and that are kind and, and friendly to ourselves. So, okay, I'm going to get started on the topic and, um, and what I'm not going to do just to, so y'all know, I'm not going to apologize for crying um, because it's on the whole continuum. If I laughed, I wouldn't apologize. And so I'm not going to apologize for crying. And I hope that when you feel like crying, you do and that you don't uh, ever feel like you need to apologize for it. All right, so on we go to self-love, practical applications. And I called this episode number one because I'm fairly sure that we'll only get through part of it and then we don't have to worry about how much we get through because we'll just pick it up again in number two. So number one is to create a freedom project. So um, for me, when I started to work on self-love, but actually far, far before that, I began setting goals around the 4th of July, actually each year. And they really reflected things that made me feel um, kind of incarcerated in a certain way that they were behavior patterns that I felt stuck in um, and they were harming me. Um, and I knew they were harming me and I was suffering and they were things that I felt some shame about and that I kept hidden and, you know, things often that I did by my, you know, when I was alone when nobody could see um, and so I, I really started to frame my goals differently. So instead of framing my goals to like stop doing something or start doing something or do this or do that, which can feel, you know, maybe not so friendly and not so supportive. I started framing them as freedom from, because it was ultimately the impact of those patterns that I was, um, experiencing that, that was harming me. And so freeing myself from those freed me from the suffering that they, that they caused me. So, um, create a freedom project. And if you're a project manager, you do lots of projects or you have projects at home and that word kind of bugs you, um, then call it whatever you like, call it whatever you like. You can call it a freedom journey, but this really is about freeing yourself, um, from things that are holding your holding you back uh, from living your most peaceful and happy life. Um, when we're talking about a self-love project, um, it's going to be challenging. That's its nature. But the challenge is there for a reason. The challenge is there because it's an opportunity to practice. And we talk about practice all the time on the show because without practice, there can be no change. Um, we we love to think about flipping a switch Um and, and kind of fixing things. And there's often, you know, offers of all kinds of magical things to help us that feel like kind of a one and done. And I don't know about you, but I've tried lots of them and I've found that they don't work um, typically, or if they do work, they don't work for sustained change because in order to modify behavior that does take practice um, and gaining muscle memory for a new behavior, but it also takes understanding where the behavior comes from. Because if you don't understand where the behavior comes from, 
then you're going to be doing behavior modification and behavior management, um, which is okay. And you can accomplish quite a lot with that. I did. I accomplished quite a lot with that over the 30 years or so. Um, it's actually probably more than 30 years that I used that, but it did kick the can down the road on the, the source of my suffering. Um, and so it wasn't until I got down to the source that my life changed in a very significant way. So um, self-hate uh, can be insidious or it can show up in specific areas of your life. In either case, it's an ongoing project with practices that um, create and sustain change. And it's always going to be a practice. Um, there's really no, you know, when I, I say there's no there there, what I really, really mean by that is that you're never really going to be finished because just like the conditioning that has brought us all to wherever we are today, um, it, it takes uh, conditioning to change where we are today and then also to sustain that change. So we just keep practicing. So don't worry about getting there. Don't worry about that. You don't even really need to think about that because that can also keep you from enjoying the practice and enjoying the movement that you experience with your practice. Um, so the practice is actually the thing, um, not the end result. It's going to be one of the most important projects you've, you've ever undertaken. And what's awesome about it is it's all for you. Um, it's not a burden. It's an opportunity. It's not a task. Um, it's really the umbrella under which all your other life projects live. Um, it's for you. It's for your health, your happiness, and your life. Um, I was thinking about, there's a book, and I might get the title a little bit wrong, but there's a book about eating the frog. Um, and I think it was for you know executives and leaders. And the idea was first thing in the morning when you're looking at your list and you see that thing on there that you don't really want to do and you, you, you think, ugh, I'll get to that later. And you do the other things, the things that are a little bit easier or that you can knock out more quickly. But there sits in, in uh, terms of this particular book, there sits the frog. And so their suggestion is to eat the frog, come in in the morning and eat the frog um, and get the frog out of the way. Um, this is not an eat the frog kind of um, situation. Uh, you you would be eating frogs all day and that's, that's not what we want. Alrighty. So um, there's a couple, a couple things about uh, your freedom project and about um, self-love and self-hate. So I mentioned that self-hate can be insidious or it can show up in a specific area. So let me talk a bit about the insidious nature of it and that was my experience. So perfectionism um, is insidious. It tends to infiltrate most areas of your life. Even when you're not being the perfect person you're supposed to be, um, you're kind of busy admonishing yourself for not doing better. So you're either trying harder, working harder, trying to perform, or you're perhaps not performing to whatever you know um, standards you've set for yourself, but you're beating yourself up over it. Um, and for me, that pretty well, yeah, that pretty well was how I lived. Um, and then there's also, um, you know, it can show up in a particular area. And I, I chose this one only because it just seems really pervasive. And that's focused on appearance um, and what you believe is wrong with it. And that, you know, if you were to improve it or become what you believe is the ideal, that your life would change and that 
until or unless that happens, you're going to kind of just keep, keep fighting. And I'm here to tell you, your appearance is the least interesting thing about you. Even me, I'm, I got full tattoos, tattooed sleeves. I'm 5'11". I'm kind of a, kind of a lanky, colorful giraffe-like person. And sometimes people are interested in the way I look, but, but it's the least interesting thing about me. And so I guarantee it's the least interesting thing about you as well. And so you can stop fighting. You can look in the mirror out of necessity for public life and self-care and then take care of other things. Um, and don't return to the mirror for uh, gratuitous gazing. It won't help you. Even if you decide that today is a quote, good day in terms of your appearance, that's actually poisoning you because by saying today's a good day and I look, you know, a certain way today, it sets you up for, you know, good days and bad days associated with your appearance. And it's, it's such a waste. It is a waste of all the good things um, that you could be thinking about while you're worrying about that. And it reduces you, um, which I really am. I, I, I'm just going to say it. I just despise that. I despise that human beings, we are so uh, complicated and, and fascinating and interesting. And, you know, the messages that we get all over the place about how we're supposed to look and how our looks are what's valued. It's reductive and I think it's really harming us. It's harming not just our self-image, but it's harming our ability to potentially do the things that we want to do because our confidence takes such a hit. So um, we're getting ready to go to break and I just want to give you a, a resource. So I'm going to touch on a few, you know, a few of these topics and then I'm going to give you a resource either in the form of a show where we've taken a deep dive, or I also have some books uh, to offer up to you. And so in terms of using your uh, challenges as opportunities to practice in creating your freedom project, I did uh, do a show and it's, it's called that using your challenges as opportunities to practice. And I take a real life situation that I went through after I was working on self-love, after I had fired self-hate and brought self-love into my life. And then I faced a challenge. And during that challenge, self-hate came knocking and I tangled with it and um, realized that, wow, this is okay. So although this is unexpected and maybe not what I was planning to do, this is my opportunity to practice to, to you know, the rubber um, hit the road, so to speak. And so it ended up to be invaluable. So if you want to read that story, um, it's on my website and I also did that show. Um, and we are going to go to break. You are listening to Freedom for Humans and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. 
Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at giraffetangooctopus.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten Johansson, your host. And today we're talking about practical applications for self-love. So um, we covered really just setting up your project, your freedom project, your self-love project, your journey, whatever you want to call it. And, and really knowing that it's the umbrella for much of what you're going to do in your life going forward. I used to joke uh, as I was doing my work starting in 2020, I used to joke that, you know, I, it was like a second full-time job because I had a regular full-time job at the time and boy, did I work at this. And in a way it's more than that. And not in terms of like intensity, because when you say second full-time job, it sounds like, oh my God, like I, I get ready, done with my regular job and then I got to, ooh, I got to go to work on this. It's actually a little bit different than that. It's actually something that happens all the time. You just begin practicing and you practice at work. You practice when you're by yourself. You practice when you're having discussions in your relationships, because those are the areas, those are the things that bring out these voices that come from self-hate. So it it, um, it it is very much um, something that integrates into your into your life and your daily activities. So uh, the guiding principle in your project, this is the second step. The guiding principle in your project is accept yourself exactly as you are without condition. Okay. Now I've, I heard about that. I heard about self-love. I heard about self-acceptance. And as a self-hating perfectionist, I thought to myself, those people are just giving up. They're just giving up. They're just like, oh, they can't, they can't make it. They can't find the success they want. They can't, you know, they can't lose the weight and they can't do all the things that I was just working like crazy to, to do, to try to beat all the, the standards that are made up. 
Um, and so I, I really, I was very skeptical and judgmental. And, and I thought that, yeah, that it was sort of like an excuse to not try anymore. And that could not be further from the truth. When I realized that the source, the source of my suffering, the SOS, we're going to talk about that maybe today, or maybe in the next, the next episode that we do on practical applications, but the SOS, the source of suffering is like a beacon inside of you. And when I realized um, that it was self-hate, that the beacon was uh, caused by self-hate, um, making me just not feel good enough, I like, <laughs> ooh, I really wanted to change my life. Like I really, really wanted out of the life with that, that I was living and I didn't want to recreate um, the life of the situation that I was just coming out of, which brought me to that, that really dark and um, difficult place. So accepting yourself exactly as you are without condition, any voice that is judgmental, critical, or unsupportive is not the voice of self-love. It is the voice of self-hate. It's not you. You are not criticizing yourself. You are not judging yourself. Self-hate is doing that. The inner critic works for self-hate. The voice of doubt works for self-hate. So you can choose any sort of term or label that makes sense to you or resonates with you. They all serve uh, at the at the pleasure ugh, of self-hate. You will need to remove self-hate from the discussion as it will continue to be disruptive and nefarious. It is sneaky in its attacks. It masquerades as you, and it is not. It's conditioning. And like any other conditioning, you can stop feeding it. You can stop flexing its muscles, stop entertaining it. It will fight you and it will be formidable. And then it will be gone. And when it reappears, you will know that you have dominion and you can show it the exit. And you just do that over and over. And over time, it appears less and less and less. So as it appears less and less, you will begin to experience space, empty space. It will probably make you uncomfortable. And so here's a quote from Sherry Huber's book, um, There is Nothing Wrong With You. It is simply in acceptance, there is nothing to do. In acceptance, there is nothing to do. Now, having nothing to do, um, given how busy everyone is and how hard everyone works might sound pretty awesome. This is a different kind of nothing to do. When all the voices in your head are quieted down and self-hate is no longer around to kind of give you a whooping, there's this quiet, empty space and it's unsettling. Not because anything is wrong, but because it's not your natural state, not yet. Um, if you're in, if you're in this situation, if what I'm talking about is familiar to you, your natural state is probably to be either fixing yourself or being disappointed in yourself for not fixing yourself well enough. That's sort of the nature of it. Um, for more information about this piece, because this really 
it's very foundational. It reading Sherry's book, There Is Nothing R- Wrong With You, was the pivotal experience that that set me on this path. There had been some other things. And I knew I knew I wanted out, but I, I had no idea how to get out of of what was happening to me because I didn't understand the source of my suffering. So it is incredibly important um, not to not to skip this step, even if you choose not to do it first and you want to do some of the other things that we talk about. Um, please do return to this because ultimately, this is the secret sauce. Um, it it is amazing um, when you get a chance to experience it. Uh, it's a new life. Um, the people that have known me uh, from before. Um, often comment, you seem like a completely different person. And I say, well, I feel like a completely different person. And I'm living like a completely different person. Because in a way, I am a different person. When when those things are exited out of your life, and you can hear your own voice, your true voice, and make supportive decisions for yourself, your life changes. All right. So number three, um, we talked about the idealized image. It was the second week of the show, actually. Um, and I had my, my friend Nefra come on and we, we talked about that. So tell yourself the truth about your idealized image. Your idealized image is your public persona. It's your formed personality. It's your image. It's not you. It feels like you, um, particularly when you've been cultivating it as I was doing, I was cultivating my idealized image my whole life, trying to be good enough and lovable and acceptable. Um, and so it, it felt like me, it felt like who I was, um, but, but it was not. Um, and so how do you know what is you and what is your image or your idealized image? And there's a few things. Um, so first of all, there is a book um, by Meadow DeVore and that's meadow, like like a, like a walking through a beautiful meadow. And it's called The Worthy Project. She's got two books, The Worthy Project and The Worthy Mind. And I'm going to be speaking with her on the show a month, really, from today. I, think, I believe it's March 8th. I'm very excited about that. Her work was just a tremendous help to me. And in The Worthy Project, she really digs into the idealized image and explains what it is and gives some wonderful examples that you um, could potentially connect with. Um, Some suggestions for how to decipher what is you and what is your image. Take a look at how you spend your time and take a look at how you spend your money. And um, at this point, you've probably started to understand that your thoughts are your thoughts are thoughts. They're not truth. They're just thoughts. Um, and so taking a look at those and what's going on in those in a way that allows you to step to the side or look at them from a more objective standpoint is going to be really, really helpful because the way that you're speaking to yourself is likely going to expose what's going on with your idealized image. So in terms of um, one of the things that 
I learned from The Worthy Project, the Meadow DeVore book, The Worthy Project. She talks about spending and earning, and it's it could be related to money, but um, it, it also is basically related to everything. So what are you spending and what are you earning from that spending? You might find that you mostly spend and you don't earn much. And that is likely your idealized image calling to be served by you. It's used to being served. It'll suck up all the time and energy and money and suffering that you are willing to endure so that it can look good to other people. And even more importantly, look good to you. It's crafty like that. It convinces you of its importance and instills fear at the thought of letting go of these things that are perhaps no longer for you. There's, there's nothing wrong with having an idealized image. It's, it's a common experience in human life. It is the, the majority experience. However, it's not, it's not the true you. And so don't, don't beat yourself up about it. I mean, I think that's probably going to be a common refrain throughout, you know, as I talk through these things with you, but also as you are working through things, when you discover things about yourself, it can sometimes make you kind of feel like, mm, gosh, what about all that time I spent? What about all that money I spent? You know, the past is something to be learned from, but I've found um, through a lot of self-flagellation that there's not a lot of value in, um, you know, criticizing yourself over the past. So whatever you discover, it's okay. It's it's part of the process of of fully accepting yourself. Um, another thing to to take into consideration is how much are you observing others, comparing yourself with others, judging other people, and judging yourself. Those things are not a product of self-love. Um, they are a product of conditioning that keeps self-hate active and the idealized image, the recipient of all your good works instead of you. You deserve to be the recipient of your good works first, and then you can give to others. So when we're talking about spending, we're talking about time energy, acts of service, love, friendship, work. When I, when I came to know about the Worthy Project, I was working at my regular corporate job and I was starting pretty early and I was working a relatively long day because I had um, geographic areas across the U.S. And so I was in the Pacific time zone and I had a large team in the Eastern time zone. And, you know, I wanted to be uh, present and aware of what was going on uh, with our operations across, across the country. And so I was starting early and I was working, you know, to the end of the, of the business day. And then because the pandemic was happening and like many, many businesses and many people, we were really, you know, and I was working in healthcare administration. So it was fast and furious trying to keep up with how to continue to provide healthcare to people um, safely um, who needed it during the pandemic, as we all 
experienced. And so what I would do is at the end of the day, I had all these things that I was seeing and, and places in the system that I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what are we going to do about that? And how are we going to fix that? And that thing is impacting that thing. And so I would go and sit, I had a, a chair, my little favorite chair that um, uh, was by the window and I had a, a plug-in electric, electric shiatsu foot massager. And so I would go and sit in my chair and put my feet in my shiatsu foot massager and my condo in Seattle looked out on the well, looked out on the beautiful uh, central library, but it also looked out on the federal courthouse. And so there was a big lawn and all these trees and some landscaping, which, you know, I was in the business district in Seattle. And so having green space to look at in mean, the city like that was kind of special. And so I would sit in my chair and put my feet in the foot massager and gaze at my trees and try to think through how to solve some of the issues that I was seeing and that I felt just kind of stressed about and that I weren't really my accountabilities, but I couldn't, I couldn't look the other way. And I then uh, came across the Worthy Project on Audible. And I thought, hmm, that looks interesting. And I, I began to listen to it. And when Meadow started to talk about spending and earning I mean, I realized right away that I was overspending in my work, that what I was doing was not, it was actually harming me. It was exhausting me and draining me. And because I was worried about accountabilities that weren't really mine and that I didn't necessarily have, you know, a full scope of authority to do anything about and resources were dwindling um, as they did for many, many businesses that I, I wasn't earning anything from all of that extra worrying and all of that extra thinking. And so it was kind of funny to me that I, <laughs> you know, I wrapped it in an activity that, that had all the makings of something calming and restorative. And then I proceeded to rack my brain to try to solve um, all the problems of the world that I was encountering um, in my job at the time. So, um, yes, the idealized image and spending and earning, um, and realizing that if you're spending, uh, and you're not earning more than you're spending, you will, you will be depleted and depleted and depleted over time. And if you are serving the idealized image, um, it is sucking up all of your wonderful resources um, instead of it going to your core and your true self. And it's time for another break. You're listening to Freedom for Humans, and we will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host. Uh, before the break, we just finished talking about the idealized image. And the next uh, step in our freedom project is your relationship with your body. Um, and we're arriving here after some foundational elements have been put in place. And there is a reason for that. Uh, humans so often try to change their bodies as if that is the point as if changing your body will magically bring you the long-awaited happiness, acceptance, and recognition that you crave. And I'm here to tell you that it won't. I've changed my body in all the ways. Um, I've uh, shrunk and expanded and shrunk and expanded. And so I've experienced the world as an overweight woman um, and sort of a middle-of-the-road woman and as a skinny woman. Um, I've, <laughs> I've experienced it all and none of it, you know, other than, <laughs> other than triggering additional things to be concerned about, um, it didn't really do much of anything for me. Um, so please believe me and disabuse yourself of the notion that your body is a problem and that changing your body will fix a problem. We are human. We are temporary. We age and we pass. That's what we do. If we relax and accept the reality of this, it kind of frees us to make the most compassionate decisions we can for our body during its life cycle. So, you know, your body might be larger than it was a few years ago. I, I saw that happen to a ton of people. During the pandemic, there were so many changes in their food behavior, in their activity behavior. There were changes in their, I don't know if, I mean, I guess I'll go ahead and say mental health. I don't necessarily want to, you know, say that everybody got depressed or everybody had anxiety or everybody ended up with mental health problems, but there was a change in the way in which we experienced the world, which we experienced the world much through our thoughts. And so when things are going on that um, create suffering, those that shows up in our, in our thoughts and um, 
has a really substantial impact on us. So even though I was working remotely and seeing people on video, I watched people change before my eyes. And it was clear that something was different for them, um, either with food or activity or both, or they were feeling down or whatever it was. So your body might be larger than it was a few years ago. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Your fleshy parts might be sliding down toward your toes. You know, my, <laughs> I, uh, I had cleared a lot of my, not my, I had cleared a lot of the, the self-hate and the body dysmorphia that went along with it. And, but, but it, I had a last vestige. And so the last time I was with my mom um, in Oregon, I just came from there, but the time before in the spring, I was lamenting to my mom that the the last vestige of sort of BDD or, or uh, self-criticism was over my butt cheeks. Yes, my butt cheeks. And then, you know, they're just kind of sliding down and, you know, I'm in my fifties and I, I lost some weight during the pandemic. I, you know, some of us had the, the other, uh, the other thing happened where it became difficult for me to eat because I was alone the whole time and never share, sharing a meal with anybody and cooking for myself every day. And it just took a toll. Um, and so, you know, I shrunk a little bit and so everything kind of, you know, some stuff kind of drooped a little. And so anyway, I'm lamenting that to my mom and she just very, uh, gosh, so, so pointedly and, and matter of factly said, huh, I don't look at my butt. <laughs> and, uh, believe it or not, it had not occurred to me to just stop looking for crying in the night. Who cares? I mean, you sit on it. It's important you sit on it and it's really important for keeping our crazy, you know, these tall human bodies we're in on these little two little feet, you know, we're kind of weird creatures and it's important for keeping you upright as is your core, but it really doesn't matter how it looks. You know, this idealized booty culture is just like blowing everybody's minds. And then the idea that you know, if you're doing some core work that it's somehow you're supposed to be able to see your abs. No, no. There are so few people that, that are ever really going to achieve that or ever really want to achieve that or do what it takes to achieve that. It's okay. We're aging. It It's okay. Your face might be wrinkled, sagging a little bit. That's, that's what happens. That's what happens to humans. Maybe your hair is graying or thinning, or maybe it's gone altogether. I got some gray coming in and I don't care. You might have bunions on your toes. You might have, you might not even have all your toes or all your feet for that matter. You might've lost an appendage, an organ. You may be held together with screws and plates. Maybe you have cancer in your body right now, or you had cancer in your body previously. And the treatment has changed your body as it did for me. You know, you might have arthritis in your hands. It's part of being a human and, and it's okay. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. The fact that we care so much is conditioned and it's very unhelpful. So if any of that, uh, resonated with you, you're in good company. You are human. 
Your body though is your first and last best friend, partner. You can stop hating it and trying to will or starve or go to the gym to kind of beat it into submission. You can let it be and love it as it is without condition. I know it's a bold choice to say, okay, I'm going to actually go on ahead and love my body for the fact that it allows my spirit to, to walk around the world. It allows me to communicate with other human beings. It allows me to experience this life. It allows me to do yoga and take hilly walks and go outside in the sunshine. Not everybody's able to do those things. All bodies are different, but accepting and loving it without condition, it takes all the pressure away, all the pressure to be something different than what you are. And when I talked earlier about space opening up, if you're someone who thinks about your appearance a lot, as I did, I, I mean, the space that was created when I stopped caring. And when I say stopped caring, here's what I mean. I, I shower. <laughs> I shower when I need to shower. I moisturize my skin. Um, I sunblock when, when needed. I sometimes put on a little bit of mascara um, and a little bit of a lip pencil, but that's about it. Um, I stopped uh, bleaching my hair and all that. And I just went ahead and let it be natural. And, you know, sometimes I actually do my hair uh, and sometimes I don't. And I really, I don't look in the mirror very much anymore. And it, it, it doesn't matter. And it's opened up all this wonderful space to create things, to create content and to write and to be interested and curious about other things because I don't give a crap anymore. So um, if you end up not giving a crap, which I want for you, I, I hope for you, it's not a, a, a choice that sometimes is understandable or even acceptable to other people, but your body belongs to you. It's your business. It's nobody else's business. Um, you might choose to share it, but even then it's yours. Um, you're sharing it of your own accord. Hopefully I know that there are many people who, um, whose bodies are, uh, violated without their consent. Um, and so, um, I want to acknowledge that and I hope you are not in that situation. Um, if you are not, just remember, you don't have to share it if you don't want to. Um, and no one has any right to it. Nobody. Nobody has the right to judge it. And nobody has the right to criticize it. You don't have to accept that. You don't have to engage in it. Um, it's, it's not acceptable. And when you stop, so when I stopped all of it, the amount of just self-hating comments that people made about their body um, really like it, it was so it was, it was like somebody turned the, it, it was like somebody turned the volume up 
um, on it. And I, I was just really struck by it. Um, it's, it's quite pervasive and it has no redeeming value, none whatsoever. When you cultivate acceptance of your body um, and a neutrality um, that appreciates what it does for you and what it needs to continue to carry your spirit around, it will make you um, able to make naturally supportive choices for it. Harming it with various behaviors or restrictions will become unthinkable. And I was someone who harmed their body very routinely. Um, I harmed it with, uh, you know, alcohol, drugs, sex, food, um, exercise regimens that weren't really good for me and had no other purpose but to try to become thinner. Um, I had a long list of cosmetic procedures that were invasive. I mean, surgeries, injections, lasers, ultrasounds, all sorts of things um, in an effort to <laughs> reach the brass ring of, of this, uh, you know, this way of looking that was somehow going to change my life and make me lovable and acceptable and finally be able to relax. And um, there is no relaxing at the end of that. Um, the only relaxing comes when you just let it go. So in terms of resources about your body, um, I did do a show called Your Relationship with Your Body. Um, and I do a couple of readings uh, and also talk about um, more um, of what I've talked with you about today. And then additionally, I read something yesterday that I thought was really, um, it's very of the moment and it speaks to this. It is about, it is about the body size and there are a lot of other things about our bodies um, that we can uh, tend to struggle with. Uh, and it's called The Many Ripple Effects of the Weight Loss Industry, and it's by Connor uh, Friedersdorf, and it's in the Atlantic. And what I liked about it was that there were a number of testimonials from people about their bodies, um, the weight of their bodies, um, taking Ozempic and not taking Ozempic and accepting their bodies even when other people didn't accept them. And um, if that this is an area of um, where you're, you're going to be doing some work, you might you might connect uh, with some of those testimonials. So I'm going to stop there today. We've covered four pretty big steps uh, in how to get started on your freedom project. And um, I'm going to close with just a mention of my guest next week. Again, uh, Lindsay McEwen, it's going to be a really, really fun episode that you're not going to want to miss. You can find me at giraffetangooctopus.com. I'm here to help you um, with anything that you might be working on and want some support um, with. And um, I'm here to help you get started on your journey to freedom. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself, and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.